Welcome to Multifamily Real Estate Investing, presented by Mara Poling. My name is Pat Poling. I'm the founder and CEO of Mara Poling. And today, I'm coming to you from the road as we are performing acquisition due diligence. I'd like to spend a few minutes and share some of what we have done up until now in our process and what we'll be doing over the next few days out at the site of our latest acquisition. Because we're coming to you from the road, we're not in studio, so today's audio is going to be maybe a little different than what you're used to, uh, and you may hear an airplane every now and then uh, as I'm uh, at the airport working on uh, our preparations for what we expect will be a very active week. So when we talk about acquisition due diligence, this is the portion of the process where we continue our exploration of the asset. We are in the contract phase. So we've gone through our pre-offer due diligence, which involves getting some basic information, primarily a set of trailing 12 financials and a rent roll, and a cursory inspection of the property, basically a visit to the property. Then we move into that pre-contract due diligence as we're finalizing our negotiations and getting ready to ink the deal in which we'll get some additional documentation that supports that, but we're not out doing anything at the asset yet. Once we've signed a contract, now we perform on-site due diligence, and that's where we are this week. And we're really looking at three specific questions. The questions we're looking at are, how and where is our prior due diligence incorrect? What inputs to our underwrite are incorrect? And why should we walk away? Now, you might think it odd that we're looking for imperfections. We're looking for inaccuracies. We're looking for mistakes that we've made up until now. Well, that's exactly the mindset we want to have. And if you're investing with Mara Polling, that's the experience you're going to have as you watch us go through this process. If you invest on your own and you're looking to gain some knowledge from these uh, sessions, from these podcasts, then that's what we would encourage you to do is as you move into the physical inspection phase, when you're doing your on-site due diligence, you're really looking for what are the mistakes I've made up until now? Because we have a lot of assumptions we've made and we're working off of some data that's base data. We get a chance to peel the onion a little more uh, deeply here and see if in fact what we believed was correct is in fact correct. So how and where is the due diligence incorrect? As I said, we're looking at trailing 12 financials. We're looking at a rent roll. Those would be two documents that we'd have early on in the process. Part of what we're looking at, for example, is the financials we have no doubt were accurate, but is there a story that to be uh, told, to be understood, that is maybe deeper than the financials. For example, it's very common to see movement between expenses on repairs and maintenance and capital investment. And that's not people playing with books. That's simply different ways that you might account for certain activities and the level of activity you have going on. I'll give you an example. If an asset's had a significant amount of capital improvement work done, 
it's possible that that's simply been booked into the repairs and maintenance side of the equation because a certain amount of that's potentially being written off in that year. It's also possible that very little of it is there. And in doing so, repairs and maintenance could be either higher than what it truly is in the first example I just gave, or lower than what the actual run rate is in the second example. You're gonna get a better chance to understand that at this point in time. So that's one of the examples. You're also looking at a rent roll. And a rent roll tells you a pretty good story of what's going on in a property in terms of occupancy, uh, health of the asset, the uh, level of renewals, rent increases, a number of different things. And if you've had a consistent look at rent rolls over a period of time, it's going to give you a pretty good sense of what that is. Well, here we get a chance to actually see the underlying data to learn more, to expand that view and see, okay, is there something about what we had seen previously that we didn't know? where we've got some new data to work on. So that's the how and where the prior due diligence might be incorrect. The next question is what inputs to the underwrite are incorrect? When we do an underwrite for an asset, and that happens way, way back before we make an offer, before really we even spend a lot of time, our initial underwrite gives us a pretty good sense of whether or not this is even an asset that's worth spending the time and energy in order to take it as far as it might go through the process. We're putting a number of inputs in. Now we're putting in things like what we think we can do with rents. Uh, we're doing that based on some competitive analysis that we have access to. In the beginning, that competitive analysis is going to be very high level. It's going to be data driven from some resources that we have with some on-site reinforcement. There's more of that as it goes on. Uh, including uh, market studies, uh, comp analysis, shopping of uh, competitive assets. That's something we definitely want to make sure we understand is what's the market like in terms of rents. And then number two, what can we do? So we're going to make some assessment as to what condition we believe the units are in, what condition the property itself is in, what kind of improvements could be made that might drive rent, the value add side of the equation. Lots and lots of assumptions, lots of estimates that go into that underwrite. How much capital is it going to take to do the kind of work that we're envisioning needs to be done to achieve the kind of rents that we've talked about? Quite confident that we've got good numbers, and yet we want to go and find which of those inputs are incorrect. It's completely unreasonable to think that we've actually done that underwrite perfectly where we've got everything exactly where it should be. We're going to learn things. And we'd much rather learn that we were being too aggressive on rents or we weren't putting enough money into capital. We want to flesh those problems out now so that they don't show up later on. And the third piece is why would we walk away? What's our excuse for saying no to this deal? We don't want to do that. That's certainly not the intent. Right? We, we don't want to have gone through everything we've gone through and then go out and find a reason to walk away, which is the reason you focus so intently on the pre-offer due diligence and the pre-contract due diligence. You want to find as much as you can there so that we minimize the amount of issues we might find down the road. 
And yet the mentality you want to have when you're performing due diligence on site is consistently looking at how can we find an excuse to say no to this deal? What's, what's the issue? Do we discover that the competitive analysis had three flaws in it? And when you correct those flaws, what we find is there's not a 10 or 15% opportunity to move rent, even conservatively, there's only maybe 5% rent movement. That may not be enough to kill the deal, but it might. And that's what we want to learn from all of these things as we go through is why might we turn around and walk away? Is there something we discover about the asset? Not that was hidden from us previously. It's just we're finally getting a chance to physically inspect the asset. Is there something we discover that ultimately causes us to say, this is not the right asset for this price with these assumptions that are in this underwrite and we're going to walk away? It costs money to walk away. You've spent money getting to this point. You spend money on due diligence. And there's earnest money that's been put um, put in escrow. And some of that may be at risk, depending upon how the contract's been structured. It's a much better investment to walk away from those dollars than it is to push forward with a deal that you know isn't a good deal. And that's certainly the mentality we have. So what are we going to be doing this week when we're performing uh, our on-site due diligence at this uh, acquisition that uh, that I mentioned at the uh, at the top of the session here. Well, we're going to be doing a number of different things, uh, and when I say we, that is our team at Mara Polling, as well as resources that we bring together to do that. So that includes all of our on-site uh, property folks are engaged in the process. A number of third-party inspectors. Right, so everything from uh, roofing inspections to uh, pest, HVAC, a host of different um, uh, crafts and trades. Uh, engineering, uh, in particular, if we believe there might be uh, soil issues or foundation issues, it's not uncommon to find that on properties that are 25, 30 years old. Uh, and it's not a reason to walk away, Generally, we've probably budgeted something like that in advance if we thought it might be an issue. Um, so all of those folks uh, come along with us uh, and are part of our on-site uh, inspection process. So we begin by taking our teams and splitting in half. Uh, half of our group is going to work on the uh, documentation side of the due diligence, and half is going to work on the physical inspection side. So the documentation look, we're going to be looking at leases. That's not a sampling of leases. You look at every single lease. You go through for every uh, tenant that's listed on the rent roll, and we're looking at that lease. We're looking at the other documentation that's in, in file. Uh, if there were any amendments to the lease, any renewals, uh, whatever uh, might, um, uh, might be involving that particular tenant. Um, applications, whatever else might be in there. We're going to look at contracts. There's a number of contracts that a property will have in place uh, to do everything from uh, utilities to landscaping to uh, cable TV, uh, laundry, all sorts of different things, right? So we want to look at those. We also want to look at records, right? Maintenance records, right? So if there's documentation about 
the age of assets. I mentioned HVAC. If there's any common equipment, um, for example, if there were boilers or chillers, I like to stay away from chillers, but if, if there were boilers, there might be uh, some uh, common boilers on a property. So think big hot water heaters for those of you that uh, maybe have missed some of our sessions where we talk about modern infrastructure. Um, so we're looking for records on all of those and we're gathering data from those. We're doing some analysis, but we're not really doing a lot of analysis at this stage. We're gathering data that will help us then uh, make a further assessment and get us to that place where we can say we've improved our inputs to the model, we've improved the underwrite, we've increased its accuracy, and in doing so, the underwrite now says do this, which might be move forward or it might say don't move forward. The other half of the team is doing the physical inspection work. So this involves looking at the common areas, right? So everything from uh, the parking lots and the laundry room and the uh, leasing office and clubhouse and pool and uh, recreation area, the dog park, the outdoor kitchen, all the different amenities and items uh, that would be included, uh, inspecting all of, uh, all of those items. Uh, and in doing so, we're looking for um, physical issues, right? We're looking to see if there's a physical issue. Uh, parking lots are the best example. Uh, you know, are there uh, drainage issues that have caused problems in part of the parking lot? Does it need to be resealed? Are there areas that need to be repaired? Does the entire parking area actually need to be repaired? Is it that time in the cycle where there's significant work that needs to be done? Does the exterior of the building need any work? Siding, painting, uh, the roofs, all of those items, right? Um, those are all uh, potentially big ticket items. You're talking about items that could cost 15, 20, 50, $100,000 or more for the kinds of assets that we're looking at. And if you have two or three of those that you hadn't planned on, suddenly you're looking at investing $200,000 or $300,000 more than you had planned on previously. That may be enough to then say, this asset no longer fits our criteria. We're also looking at the interiors of the units not a few units, not a sampling of units, every unit. You wanna get in and look at every single unit and you wanna document what you see when you're there. In particular, as part of our planning for what we're doing to improve the units, the value add work, that's gonna bring those units to a level in the market where we can achieve the rents that our competitive study has said we're gonna achieve. So we're going through and we're looking at all the items that we would do our improvements on. So things like flooring and appliances and countertops and paint and lighting and so on. We're also looking for maintenance issues, right? We're looking for units that have physical problems, right? Is there a foundation issue that's apparent because there's cracks in a unit? Is there uh, an issue with the HVAC for a particular unit? or do we see uh, water damage uh, in cabinets or elsewhere that might be from prior leaks or are there any active issues that are going on? So all of that is data that helps us assess the state of the current asset and it helps us 
understand where the asset's at today on a unit-by-unit -unit basis so that we can go back and revise our capital program. For example, if after we're done looking at 200 units in a property, in a 200-unit property, we find that 100 units have perfectly acceptable appliances. There's no reason we need to do anything. They're all in great shape. They're the style, fit, and finish that we would like them to be. Then we can update our capital program to say we need to buy 100 sets of appliances, not 200 sets of appliances. And depending upon what our assumption was going in, if our input previously was 100, then it didn't change. If going in, we thought we might have to do 150, that's obviously a positive impact on the underwrite. If we had made the assumption that we didn't really have to do much in the way of appliances, maybe 20%, then that's an issue because now we've got to do more and that's going to be a, a challenge from a financial standpoint. So those are the physical things we're doing. So I said the team splits into two pieces and that is exactly what the team will do. And then, Portions of that team will peel off and go and will re-perform our competitive analysis on all of the competitive assets that are nearby. The in-class assets, so the Class B assets that we're competing against, and we want to look at the Class A's that are within our submarket, and we want to look at the C's. We want to understand how we fit inside that marketplace. And while we have data from various systems that help us understand that, and while we have done these comp studies already, we want to re-perform them, especially now that we have a frame of reference in terms of what the existing units look like and what kind of shape they're currently in. It's very helpful now to go and shop those other properties again to get a sense of how it all might um, fit. All of this is being done so that we can, as I said, either correct inaccuracies in our original due diligence or revise the inputs to our underwrite, which all together can get us to a place of, of answering that question, why should we walk away from this? So we're constantly looking for that excuse, for that reason to say no. If by the time we get through this process, and while we're here for a few days doing the on-site due diligence, over the course of the next couple of weeks, that material is analyzed, the inspection reports are pulled together, and we get to a place generally within three to four weeks of signing a contract where we can confidently say, we know what we need to know, and if we haven't found our reason to walk away, if there's simply nothing we've stumbled across that says this is not a good deal, then we continue and we move forward. If we do find an issue, then obviously we address that issue, which could be addressed in a variety of ways, right? It might be a, a financial issue. It could simply be that, you know, we found $100,000 worth of common area maintenance that needs to be done that wasn't um, identifiable in the pre-offer or pre-contract due diligence. Nobody was hiding anything from anybody. You're just not doing as deep of a dive. Now with the deeper dive, we've identified $100,000.
we could conceivably go back to the seller and negotiate some change in the purchase price or some other um, share of financial responsibility. And it's also possible that we'd simply have to update our model. And if updating the model put us in a position where now the property didn't work, then we could potentially have to turn around and say, okay, we're gonna walk. So that's what we're up to this week. Uh, if you are uh, interested, uh, obviously we have a new acquisition uh, since that's what we're out here doing. Uh, if you are interested in following along, we did this with our last couple acquisitions. If you're interested in following along as we go through our process, uh, I will be sharing uh, some email updates about the process that we go through. If you are interested in following along, shoot me an email, pat at marapolling.com. That's M-A-R-A-P-O-L-I-N-G.com. And I'll be happy to add you to that email list so that you get updates about how we're moving through the process, uh, our due diligence phase, financing, really critical part of the process. And then uh, as we get closer, uh, the close and the transition uh, and the initial stages of, uh, of operations. So happy to share all that with all of you, and we will on the podcast, but if you'd like some additional uh, input, again, shoot me an email, pat at Mara Polling. Well, I hope you've enjoyed uh, today's session. Again, thank you for, um, for dealing with any changes in our audio because we are on the road this week. Uh, please join us next week. Uh, we will spend a few minutes next week uh, just chatting about how the due diligence went and uh, our uh, efforts uh, this week. Uh, and we'll also have a brand new topic that we'll be uh, chatting about then. I look forward to seeing you next week on another episode of Multifamily Real Estate Investing presented by Mara Poland. <music>